0: Life Audio. Today we are talking about the theology of justice, and we've been talking about justice off and on throughout the Psalms. But today we're really talking about what it looks like in. A biblical setting and what it looks like in today's setting in our own lives. I think justice is something that we all long for when we see some of the brokenness in the world, but yet we don't quite understand how it works. So today we're going to discuss all of that after we hear a word from our sponsor. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are continuing our psalm study, and if you are just joining us or if you're new to the podcast, we are going through one psalm a day, and actually today is Psalm 75, which means we are exactly halfway through the psalms. So what we've been doing is we've been going through one psalm a day and just talking about some of the historical or cultural or background information that you may miss if you're just doing a quick reading, and the reason why we're doing the psalms is, and this is the Hearing Jesus podcast is because the Psalms was the hymn book of Jesus and the disciples. And it is the book that they quoted the most throughout their, their public ministry. And so we want to get a good understanding of what's in the Psalms that helps us understand the theology that Jesus teaches in the New Testament. If you were just joining us, if you want to go to shehears.org and sign up for the newsletter on the homepage, all the way at the bottom there, you can sign up. And every Monday we send journaling prompts along with key verses from each of these episodes to help you. And really journaling is a great way to get the information from your head into your heart. Those are completely free. And then if you want to go back and get some of the previous journaling prompts and key verses, you can pick that resource up called, I think it's called God Beside Us on my website. It's only $5. And what it does is it is a guided journal that has both a link to the audio devotional. It has space for journaling. It has a key verse and it has the journaling question or the prompt from the episode. Again, just a way to help you kind of process what we're learning on each of these episodes. So I'm going to be starting in verse 1 of Psalm 75. And again, I'm always reading from the NIV unless I say differently. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. Men tell of your wonderful deeds. You say, I choose the appointed time. It is I who judge uprightly. When the earth and all its people quake, it is I who hold its pillars firm. To the arrogant I say, boast no more. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horns. Do not lift your horns against heaven. Do not speak with outstretched neck. No one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt a man, but it is God who judges. He brings one down, he exalts another, and the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out, and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. As for me, I will declare this forever. I will sing praise to the God of Jacob. I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. Now, Psalm 75 is one that is full of imagery that we're going to kind of get into in a little bit. But like I said at the onset of the episode, this is a psalm that addresses the theology of justice. And justice is a topic that I think we use kind of casually almost in the church or in in, in the Christian world. I often say myself that I'm a justice warrior because I have a, a ministry calling to speak out for those that don't have a voice for, for them. For themselves in the work that i do in global orphan care but but the justice is really part of the infrastructure of the universe and we're going to kind of look at that from a biblical perspective perspective here today we're talking about psalm 75 which again just as a reminder this is a time where they are going through the babylonian exile so israel has been exiled to babylon and they're seeing if you remember from psalm 74 and some of the other psalms that we've we've seen in the in the last couple weeks or so we're seeing uh this sense of the evil thriving and the followers of god not thriving, to say the least, and so this is the tension. This is the backdrop of of what the where the psalm was written, and what we're seeing the psalmist talk about is making sure that the wicked are punished and the righteous are rewarded. And he's making this appeal to the God of justice because we we know that God is just. God Himself is the object of mockery. He He Himself is being mocked in. In not just in this time frame, but really that's the reality of our lives today. I mean, I don't know if you've experienced that where you live, but where we live, uh, even just being a believer, if people know that you're a Christian. There's a, a sense of mockery that comes along just from being a follower of God, especially in the political and social climate that we have in, in today's time. And so Psalm 75, what it does is it's affirming God's justice, and it's this whole idea of humbling one person and exalting another. And it's all done by this equitable distribution that is according to God's standard of justice. And um, God's standard of justice is sometimes different than ours. Uh, I want to point out that because this Psalm uses the word we, it's the common plural form, we, it is sometimes falls into the classification of a community psalm or a community thanksgiving psalm. And so not only is this a prayer from the psalmist, but it's most likely used as a community psalm. Um, It's a psalm of Asaph, and it is known to be used as a song from the director of music throughout uh, Israel's history. A couple things I want to point out. Because there's so so much imagery in here, I want to make sure that you don't miss it. In verse 3, it's talking about a quake. It says, when the earth and all its people quake, it is I who hold its pillars firm. So this idea of a quake is it's, it's of course, an earthquake. The verb literally means to move back and forth. And so it's a metaphor that's basically describing the effect of the earth when God appears as judge. And And then when it goes on, it's talking about... Even if the Earth should move back and forth, God is still in control because it's it's talking about the pillars. The pillars are how basically God has established the pillars of the earth, and so even if the earth is, if it is melting, if the Earth is uh, shaking, if it's quaking, if it's rocking back and forth, there's a reassurance there because we're talking about the the God who has established the pillars of the earth, and so what the implication is there that there is stability. In our relationship with God rather than insecurity that we would get from the world. In verse 5, let me read it. It says, Do not lift your horns against heaven, do not speak with outstretched neck. I thought this was interesting. I wanted to point out. What it's talking about, do not lift your horns against heaven. You have to remember the culture and the time that this was written. Again, I say this all the time. The Psalms was written in a different time period to a different culture. And so while the Psalms were written for us, they were not originally written to us. They were written to an agrarian culture. And so the idea of a horned animal was very, very common. Everybody owned horned animals or saw them you know, in their day-to-day lives the idea of a horned animal is talking about um, when those kinds of animals go into challenger mode and they have some sort of opponent, they will lift their head or they will lower their head depending on where where they're at. And so this is a really common metaphor. We see it throughout this uh, scripture in verses four, five, and ten. And and you have to remember that that when we're talking about horned animals, essentially we're talking about cattle, that was a vital part of their lives. And everyone understood that a bull's horns were a symbol of strength. And so if they're raising and lowering their head, it's an expression of challenge and then defeat. So if he's talking about the outstretched neck, it's talking about this posture of challenge. So the outstretched neck would be talking about an arrogance. And so I think that sometimes we miss that because we don't necessarily understand the behavior of those kinds of animals that they would have been so familiar with. Another metaphor that we see is in verse eight. It says, in the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. Again, if you're not familiar with this kind of process, which the original Audience, original listeners would have been, the foaming wine is talking about essentially the fermenting process. And so sometimes wine was mixed with different kinds of spices to really augment its effect. We see that referred to in Song of Solomon uh, chapter 8. And the dregs were the sediment that settles to the bottom of the, be- of the vessel of, of the fermentation process. And so sometimes wine in other places is a, a really good metaphor um, on a positive spin. But here when it's talking about the dregs, it's a metaphor of judgment. So when it's saying it's dregs, it's the leftovers, it's the elements that sink to the bottom of the wine, that metaphor means that um, they have drunk every last drop of the cup, the dregs and all. I I think that that's kind of an important image that maybe is lost on us because we don't quite understand all that. And then again, in verse 10, it says, I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. Again, the horns is, is representative of the strength of the bull. And so this is really an announcement of an ethical system that is being endorsed and dispensed by God as an act of justice. So I think we're going to go ahead and take a break right here. And when we come back, we'll get into the rest of the Psalm. Stay tuned. So what we're talking about here is this process of humbling and mm-hmm. elevating according to God's justice. And this is something we see throughout the scripture. Actually, I'm going to read a couple other passages that demonstrate the same kind of process. Um, we see it in back in 1 Samuel chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. It's commonly called Hannah's Song. And that is a scripture that really emphasizes the way that God humbles and elevates as a work of grace. And so I'm going to go ahead and read that for us because I think it helps us understand this psalm a little bit better. So starting in, um, actually I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord, and the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who is barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's, on them as he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. So that passage is a great example of this exact thing that I'm talking about, this humbling and this elevating that God does as an act of justice to reconcile uh, what's going on in the world. And you can read the counterpart for that in the New Testament is the Song of Mary. And that's in Luke chapter one. It's towards the end, like around 45 or 46, I think. But again, that is another uh, example of the elevation of the humble and the, um, the punishment or just the checks and balances that we see as part of God's act of justice. And so this theology of justice, we have to recognize that it's more than just the infrastructure of how God deals with things, but it's really the fabric of the morality that we see in the world today, where God, um, even when it doesn't feel like He is dealing with things in the social social network that we're in, or the um, maybe social network's not the right word. I guess the society and the culture that we're in, that there really is a bringing down and an elevating process that God does. Even when his standard of justice is different than ours, because of course, God's standard of justice comes from God's nature and by God's very nature. He's much more compassionate than we are. He's much more patient than we are. He's much more merciful than we are. And so his standard of justice is not different than who he is in his character and nature. So like we talked about yesterday, it's not that he's going to just sit idly by and just let sin go on forever, but yet his standard of justice may be different than us in our flesh that we could even understand. And I think for many years, um, what the way I have heard it taught and preached in churches is that basically, you know, we may not see justice this side of heaven. We may not understand justice in terms of the physical reality, but we'll see it in the spiritual reality. And that is the caveat here. I think that sometimes that is that is true, that justice doesn't come this side of heaven, but we can have confidence in knowing that will come. But I think there's three things that I want to make sure that we keep in mind as we're talking about this theology of justice. I think that God Himself. In the pages of scripture, has spoken about justice being at an appointed time when he will do the judging in a way that is fair. And, you know, even in the Psalms, the Psalms don't really speak of, of, Things on the other side of heaven—they really speak about the world that that they live in right at that time. And so, if we're reading about this in the Psalms, there is a natural connection that we make that God is speaking of this world in this season, rather than in in the next world in in on the other side of heaven. And so, that helps us live with this um, injustice that we see—not that we're accepting it, but we can live with it because we know that we we're waiting for God's timing and God's appointed time on things and. And that it's going to happen in this lifetime. I think having said that, it's important to remember that sometimes God hides his justice. Sometimes we're not aware of his justice, even though it's very real and he's He's active. Many of us, you know, we have seen things happen where um, even just in the last couple of years, we've seen even with just in the life of the church um, or even in, within the life of politics or American culture, we have seen arrogant people brought down. You know, we live in a unique time of history where cancel culture is a thing. And, you know, arrogance is being dealt with in a way that I'm thankful for. It's never been dealt with this way in in you know since i can remember um but we've also seen really humble people exalted i think that's one of the the beauties of the like the tiktok trends and those kinds of things everyday ordinary small businesses or small leaders can be elevated to a place where they might not otherwise have been and and i'm not saying just just in that regard i think overall what we see is god does allow for that where the, the people that are arrogant will be brought down and then the humble are exalted and that's part of God's system of justice that helps rebalance things in this distorted world. And so even if if that's not exactly what's happening in our lives, we do see that pattern of behavior and we see that happening. And then the second thing I want to r- remind us of is that, and I touched on this before, our idea of justice may not be God's idea of justice. And Sometimes when we see justice, we have a tendency to figure, like, that wasn't enough. It wasn't harsh enough. And um, yet, like, even, like, in the scripture, when it talks at the end of this passage, when it talks about God cutting off the horns of the wicked and the horns of the righteous will be lifted up, Um you know, some would say, okay, well, cutting off the horns is enough. You need to kill them. You know, I, I mean, we all have this different standard in our flesh standard. We want extreme justice, but yet, um, perhaps God's justice is a humbling. You know, one of the things I've seen in my own personal life is. That God definitely is a just God, but he's also a compassionate God. And so in situations where I feel like I would have been way harsher of a judge, it's a good thing I'm not the judge, I would have been way harsher, Um, we see a compassion of God where he is also a God of second chances. And so we have to remember in our flesh the justice that we want may not be equivalent to the justice that God has given um, because he also knows that individual. He knows what it's going to take to bring that individual back into right relationship with him. And so I think it's important to remember that that um, God is the one that manages his own system of justice according to his standard and not our standard. And then, of course, you know, the last point I want to make is there are instances when justice is just a mystery and there's no expl- explanation um, for the things that we're seeing and why things are being allowed to happen? You know, we the the classic example from scripture is Job and how Job suffered, even though he was innocent, or at least the he was innocent of of um, what his friends were accusing him of. And while we see situations like that or even experience situations like that, we have this uh, internal pressure to kind of understand why it's happening or how we can get to the other side of it or how we can reconcile it because we know that God is just and and we want Him to deal with it and deal with it quickly. But sometimes we don't see that. Sometimes the urgency that we have to understand or to to reconcile or to deal with it, sometimes we don't see it. And it drives us to this understanding that there are things about God that we are just not going to understand this side of heaven. There are things about God's um, character and nature and the way that he interacts justly that we just won't understand or we won't see. And so I think in those situations, that's where we learn to trust him. And um, there's a special grace when it comes to trusting God, even when we don't understand. I think when you can get to that place, it's a very key indicator of our relationship with God where we can trust him and say, okay, God, I am agonizing over this. I want justice about this situation, but I trust you. I trust you and your timing. I trust that even if it's hidden, you're going to intervene. I trust that you know more than I do about the situation and I'm just going to hand this over to you. I think that's a very special place to get in a relationship with the Lord. I think um, C.S. Lewis acknowledged this, and he he had been talking about when he was before he was a believer, when he was an agnostic. His argument, his very argument against God, was that we seem to live in such a cruel world that was um, just just and unjust. But then he he recognized the fact that how did he even get to this place where he had an understanding of what was just and unjust, or what was cruel and what was kind? And, and essentially what C.S. Lewis said was that a man doesn't call a line crooked unless he knows, or at least has some idea of what a straight line is. And so how how do we know what's just versus unjust? How, we, how do we know what's cruel versus what's kind? And um, that was one of the discussions that kind of led him to faith, to coming to faith in Christ was this understanding that it was more than just our own internal moral compass, but there really was a standard of, of good and evil in this world. And, um, the teaching that we see here in the Psalms is, Basically, this idea that we have a God that is going to bring one down and then exalt another up. And we have to trust him that he's going to do that in his timing. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to reread that within that insight I pray that's a blessing for you. It says, starting in verse one, we give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. Men tell of your wonderful deeds. You say, I choose the appointed time. It is I who judge uprightly. When the earth and all its people quake, it is I who hold its pillars firm. To the arrogant, I say, boast no more. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horns. Do not lift your horns against heaven. Do not speak with outstretched neck. No one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt a man, but it is God who judges. He brings one down, he exalts another. In the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out, and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. As for me, I will declare this forever. I will sing praise to the God of Jacob. I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. God, we come to you just in trust, and trust that you are a just God that you operate in your own timing, according to your own compassion, according to your own will, according to your own standard. God, help us to surrender when we are seeking justice for a situation and it feels like maybe your justice is not coming quick enough or maybe it wasn't harsh enough. Lord God, help us to settle into a place of trust. Trust in you, trust in our relationship with you, trust in your pillars holding up this world and that the confidence we recognize that even when we feel shaken, that you are holding us firm. God, I thank you for my friends that are listening today. And I pray that as you continue to reveal yourself, your character and your nature through your word, that you'd help my friends to understand who you are and how you want to operate in and through their lives. We thank you and we praise you in all things, Jesus. Amen. Hey friend, do you feel like you need a little one-on-one? My goal for the She Hears ministry, the Hearing Jesus podcast, all the resources that we have is to really help you learn how to hear God's voice so that you can be confident in your relationship with Him. And if you're struggling to learn how to identify or even overcome the barriers that you have in your life to growth, I want to be able to walk through that with you. Did you know that I'm a Christian life coach? Maybe you're struggling with something and you need some objective biblical insight or opinions, or maybe you need to work through something that feels just a little bit too heavy to do on your own. I would love to walk through that with you and land on some practical ways to achieve that goal. And so I have some limited coaching opportunities. If you go to shehears.org, there's a section where you can schedule some one on one time with me. I have Mondays and Fridays open right now going into the new year. So I pray that if that is something that you need, that you've been praying, about, that it would be an opportunity for you to take advantage of some one-on-one time with me. And again, my heart is really to help you lean into whatever it is that God is calling you to do. I pray that that's a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more.